Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Hey there, good morning. Hey, thanks for being here. Glad to be with you. Hey, we're going to go ahead and give an offering together right now. Um, if you are in this place and you want to just partner with Vineyard Westside, you want to partner with what God is doing, you want to kind of, you know, it's that time to say this place is my home. Um, well, at home you got you got to pay the light bill. <laughs> but let's pray and get our hearts in the right spot. We always want to do that first when it has anything to do with money. God, thank you for the, just the ways that you've blessed us. God, that we have continued to uh, just experience your favor uh, all the way through uh, all of the pandemic trouble and so many people that we know in businesses and churches that, that did, but your hand was on us and you just kept taking care of us and we just say thank you. Uh, we pray expectantly that you're going to do even more. We're going to be able to reach more people for your kingdom. So we give you this offering and we just pray that you would use it however you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. All right. Hey, they're going to pass those around and what we're going to talk about today. Um, I, how many of you are sitting right now in a seat that you always sit in? <laughs> That's a pretty good, I mean, a good number of you. Like that you have a seat. And then what happens if some weirdo shows up and they sit in your seat? And they haven't... Yeah, like they didn't, get the, they didn't get the email that that was yours. It, it, it is strange, though, having a seat. And we get into uh, patterns with our seats, and we get territorial with them. Today we're going to talk about uh, our need to watch where we sit. Watch where you sit. Some of you are sitting in a spot that you love right now. You're like, this is my seat. And guess what? That's a terrible seat. You never watched where you sat. You might need to get up. In Matthew chapter 28, it says this. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Wouldn't you hate to be the other Mary? It says there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came. It came down from heaven and then going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and sat on it. So this is uh, the tomb where Jesus is inside. This is um, after the crucifixion, after Jesus is taken down from the cross. Jesus' body is put into the tomb. There is a large stone that uh, weighs a couple thousand pounds rolled in front of it uh, to make sure that none of Jesus' disciples or any of his followers would go in there and try to steal the body or mess with it in any way because they were trying to make sure that it was proven that he wasn't the Messiah. He wasn't God. He wasn't going to come back from the dead three days later. And so they said, let's roll this stone in front. An angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook, and they became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. 
for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Come and see the place where he lay. Uh, so the, the, the three words that I'm going to fixate on today are sat on it. Sat on it. That the angel sat on it. There was a violent earthquake. It says an angel of the Lord came from heaven and then going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone that weighs who knows how much, and he sat on it. He sat on it. That angel could have stood, I imagine if I was him, uh, and I rolled it away, I'd jump on top like, boo! <laughs> but the angel decides he's going to sit, and he's not just going to sit anywhere, he's going to sit on a specific place, maybe even a strategic place that could be showing us something. That this angel maybe was teaching us something, or God is teaching us something through it, that it mattered where he sat. It mattered where the angel sat. And as far as I know, angels don't get tired the same way that we do. And so just showing up on the scene and rolling away the stone, I don't think he was gassed and that he needed to sit somewhere. I think that it was a, a specific reason for it. How do you guys choose where you're going to sit? Like when you go into a place, some of a, I'm a, a teacher's pet. I like front row stuff. Like. I like being there. I don't like being far in the back, except for um, if uh, I don't have an exit. So everywhere I go, I can't, I can't be trapped. I'm afraid to be trapped. I, I want to be near the end. What happens if, uh, whatever. How do you do it? Some people, they are very conscious about what happens if there was an intruder, somebody that came in, and so they sit at a restaurant and they'll always ask for the booth in the back corner so that they can sit and see everything. People approach it differently, where they're going to sit. Sit close to the exit. My son Finn likes sitting close to the bathroom for some reason. <laughs> he, likes, he likes visiting bathrooms. The thing that I'm talking about today with watching where you sit, um, what, we're, what we're trying to get to is um, the, the question of, okay, where are you sitting, but not your butt, where is your soul sitting? Where does your soul sit? Because it rests in different places. You know what your soul is, right? Because, I, man, I've been on TikTok and Instagram and... There's some weird definitions going on. Your soul is that thing that's hard to describe about you. It's your, it's your mind, it's your will, it's your emotions, it's all of that invisible stuff, but it's all the stuff that makes you, you. It's the stuff that makes you, you. That's your soul. Uh, when you die, you will leave this earthly place. And what it says is that your life was like a tent and now you're going to be moving into a permanent home. Your soul never died. Your soul just moved. Your soul got a gangster upgrade. It says here that this angel rolls back the stone and that he sits on it. This is, this is important. I think it's symbolic. Um, the, an angel, 
you know, how would an angel act? He's scaring everybody. People are groveling at his feet. And so I just don't know how you would, I would kind of lean into that probably. Um, but he, he leans back. He leans back and takes a sit. In 1 Kings chapter 19, it tells a story about Elijah. Now it says, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I don't, did we get a broom bush picture? Do we have that? I don't know if we do or not. Uh, I'm going to go with no, we don't. Broombush is a, a, it's a juniper tree, a juniper bush. Um, it grows in super dry uh, uh, climates. Um, it is one of those indestructible plants, but actually it, it doesn't do well when it is, is too much rain or anything like that. Um, anyways, enough about the broombush. It says that he went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broombush. Um, and he sat down under it and prayed that he might die. Prayed that he might die. Um, if you know anything about junipers or broom bushes or anything, they're kind of soft on the top. And then the further you get down, it starts poking more and more. And then as you get to the under part of it, it just wants to kill you down there. It says that he sat down under it and then he prayed that he might die. Um, in this story, it wasn't just about his butt that was sitting in a certain place. His soul, he sat his soul down in a certain place. Broom bushes, a juniper tree, it's native to um, the area that's in the text here. Um, but the, just, this is a, a survival tree. It grows in the desert. It's also um, a super bitter root that poor people would eat if they had to resort to it. Um, so you would cut this thing up, you would boil it into a stew of some kind, um, and it, it, it was just a punishment meal, unfortunately. In Job chapter 30, it says, they're gaunt from poverty and hunger. They claw at dry ground and desolate wastelands. They pluck wild greens from among the bushes, and they eat from the roots of the broom trees. The other thing about these broom bushes or juniper trees is that the uh, their twigs, you, you can strip, you know, the, the more frilly stuff away and you're left with uh, these super bendable twigs that they would use for binding things together. And so if you had anything you wanted to tie up at the time, you would use, you would use this same juniper tree, the same broom bush to, to wrap it all up together. The juniper is significant in this story because uh, it is where our, our, our friend goes to sit down. It's a dry place. If it's growing there, it's a dry place. Some of you are in a dry place right now, and you're just like, I just wish I could. you need refreshed in some way. Um, or maybe that you felt like you were super alive in Christ for a while, and things were exciting, and you were growing in your faith, and you don't know what happened, but somebody hit the off button, and it's just cooled off, and you're in a dry place. And in need of 
something to restore your soul. With those twigs that are bound together, some of you get stuck in that spot where you are tied to something. Um, you've picked a seat where you end up being tied to something and wrapped up in something you feel like you can't get away. Elijah, in this story, he goes to a place that he should not have gone to. He goes to a source that he shouldn't have gone to, and he ends up being bound by it. And it wasn't about his butt, it was about his soul. I want to compare that to a quick story in Kings, 1 Kings 19, we read earlier. It says that he came to a broom bush. He sat down under it and prayed that he might die. Now compare that with this, Matthew chapter 28, what we read about the angel. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and he sat on it. He sat on it. Elijah sat down under something. One sat under something, the other one sat on something. On, upon something. It's the, the word that is in the original scripture is apano, uh, and it means above or beyond or more than, on top of. And so we have this angel on the stone, and the stone, the stone represents what the enemy tried to use to stop Jesus. The thing is, the devil's probably tried to use certain things to stop you. And the cool thing is that a lot of times, whatever that thing is, just like that stone, it ends up becoming the thing that you can sit on top of and declare the goodness of God. It says the angel sat on it, that the thing that was meant to bring defeat ended up becoming a seat. Well, that does rhyme. Has the enemy tried to stop you with anything um, where you thought you had to sit down at a certain place because you couldn't, you couldn't get this to work? Has there been a stone that was rolled over in front of you that felt like it was blocking you? You're stuck because of this thing? Um, for some of us, it's our, our, our guilt or our shame from past mistakes. And uh, so bef and we, don't, we don't ever advance because we'll get hit with it again. And it's this thing, it's this stone that needs to be rolled away. You can either sit under your circumstances. That's what some of us do. We're like, this is, I, I got a raw deal. Yeah, me too. Super raw, cruddy deal. A lot of us had really raw deals. And it doesn't mean that it didn't happen. It doesn't mean that we ignore it. It doesn't mean that we need healing from it in some way, but it does mean that you can either sit underneath your circumstances or you can sit on top of them. You can't do both, though. And where you sit also, it affects not just you, because other people are going to sit there. If you sit down somewhere, then somebody else is going to follow. It's a generational thing. First, Second Kings chapter 10, it says, The Lord said to Jehu, Because you've done well in accomplishing what is right in my eyes, and you've done to the house of Ahab all that I had in mind to do, here's the important part, because of that, your descendants will sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. Because of the place that you've chose to sit, 
because of the spot that you decided to be, the way that you decided to play it, the goodness that you showed, because of that, your descendants are going to sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. Jehu, because of your behavior, your great-great-grandson is going to sit in a position of prominence. Because you sat on it, your descendants will never have to sit under it, Jehu. Dads in the room, um, if you are able to sit on top of your anger, uh, your kids will never have to sit under it. If you're able to sit on top of your anger, they'll never have to sit under it while they're under your care, and they'll never have to sit under it when they meet their spouse. If you went out of the curse of debt, what would it look like if you sat on it, you started paying it off, and your kids would never have to sit under it anymore? Um, I had a certain way of thinking about money growing up, and it had to do with going to check cashing places and um, pawn shops and borrowing money from this uncle and going up the street to do. And. I had to get to a place where I was able to sit on top of what it actually meant to handle money in a healthy way. I'm not even that great at it, but man, it's a lot different. If you're negative, others are going to be negative too. If you're depressed, others are going to get more depressed around you. Unless you sit on it. Unless you start to sit on those things. How the heck do we do that? What are you talking about, Ryan? Hebrews chapter 12. Let's see. It says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. How do we do that? How do we run the race marked out for us? He says this, verse 2, By fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Jesus despised, despised the cross. Um, a lot of Christians think that Jesus, it was just part of the plan, and he just mindlessly went to Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. He didn't want to die in that way. He endured the cross. Because when he looked at the cross and what was you know, when we would look at it, we would think about all of the pain, all of the suffering, everything that was going to happen. But Jesus looked at the cross and was able to look through it and see, he was able to see the future joy. He was able to see the forgiveness. He was able to see hope. He was able to see people given access to the Father. It says, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you'll not grow weary and lose heart. It's okay to, to sit down somewhere. It's okay to sit down somewhere, but you need to know that where you sit is significant. Where you park your soul is significant. There's a part of your brain that kind of keeps track of this stuff, the emotional part of your brain. We have 
kind of three sections usually where uh, we have the logical section of our brain, we have the, um, the I don't remember what the other one is, the one that makes you breathe automatically, blink, uh, so yes. Then we have uh, rational stuff, which doesn't even happen until you're in your 20s usually, so if you have teenagers and they don't, uh, but the one that gets us tripped up is the emotional part of our brain the emotional part, that there's this constant fight happening within yourself about who's going to take that seat of that emotion, right? Who's going, to take, who's going to take the seat of that one? Philippians 4 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Basically what he's saying is like that you need to guard your hearts and your minds because you are the one who's in charge of um, what, what emotion is going to take a seat there when that thing happens. One of the examples I've given before many times, when my kids get hurt, immediate anger. It's not ever, hey, are you okay? It's blah! working on that forever, still getting some, at least they don't get hurt much anymore. But I have to assign a seat sometimes to certain things. Uh, for some of you, um, you have to tell fear that comes into your life, seat's taken, can't sit here. Fear wants to sit down somewhere and you can say, Seats taken, love has that spot. Uh, seats taken, I'm sorry. It, you might be somebody that can tell anger. Seats taken. Seats taken. Anxiety, nope, seats taken. Insecurity, nope. Seats taken. You get to choose. You get to choose where so many of these things get to sit down in your life. Now, saving seats is terrible, right? I mean, saving seats, like if you have to save seats for somebody, you have to save seats, and it's like you're doing that whole thing going, you're trying to spread stuff. <laughs> no, they're coming, I swear. And it, you're just, everybody's looking at you like they hate you. But how fun is it when somebody saves you a seat? Yes. When somebody's there and you get to go like a VIP and you walk in front of everyone. Sorry, we have, we have seats saved up here, up here in the front. And it's because somebody, somebody that you knew, somebody, some great soul, they used their authority to save you a seat. Their authority was used to save you a seat. You didn't belong in that seat. You weren't there. It's a free seat. You didn't pay for it. You don't deserve it at all. But what did they do? They grabbed it for you. And they use their authority. Their authority is that they were sitting nearby, proximity seat, right here. We got here first. You didn't pay the price to sit there, though, but you got to. Ephesians 2 says, and God raised us up with Christ, and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it's by grace that you have been saved, 
If you're a Christ follower, a seat has been saved for you. Jesus is using his authority to save that seat for you. Revelation chapter 3, it says, To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Um, have you guys ever been to an event where you had tickets, maybe you went to a play or a musical or a, a baseball game or whatever, and um, somebody comes up to you, and it's also, it's like the employee because the people who, you were in their seats, but they were too scared to talk to you, so they went and tattled, and you get, the guy shows up and he said, I'm sorry, I think you might be in the wrong seats. No, I'm sure I'm not. I'm, I'm in the right seat. And you check your ticket. Sometimes you got to check your ticket. Sometimes you need to look down and check your ticket. You need to check your uh, emotions. You need to check your insecurities. You need to check if what you're doing is true. Chances are you might be sitting in the wrong seat entirely. God reserved seating for Gideon as a mighty warrior, but Gideon was still seated in this section that was called weakness for a long time. He was sitting in the wrong seat, and it, it took a while to get him out of that wrong seat into the right one. God had reserved seating for Moses to be a deliverer of his people, but Moses was seated in this section called fear for a long time. You might be seated in a section called complacency or um, comfort. Um, and God has probably got a seat for you on the front lines. If you're in that place of complacency and comfort and you're asking, why don't I have a deeper, richer relationship with God? It's probably because he has a seat waiting for you in a more dangerous place that it's time for you to lead a life group, or it's time for you to start tithing, it's time for you to uh, start a ministry, it's time for you to uh, begin working with the homeless, it's time for you to lead a mission trip, it's time for you to adopt, it's time for you to foster, it's time for you to hold a class for single moms on how to make inexpensive crockpot meals. And we had one of those classes here that, that Kelly Kohake was uh, helping to lead, and, and they, learned, they learned cheap meals together, and if they went to every one of the classes, they got a brand new crock pot, and it was, it was just a beautiful thing. Um, God could be calling you into something more. And some of you are just in that spot where you're in a seat of regret or fear, or, and you, you can't do any of this stuff. You can't even think about the, maybe I'll lead this or do this, maybe I'll, because you're stuck every day in shame. You're stuck every day in pain or guilt or sin or fear or, man, you gotta know that God has saved you a seat and you need to check your ticket. You need to check your ticket. If you look around and you say, I'm in, I'm in shame every day, I'm in pain every day, I'm in guilt every day, I'm in, I'm in torture in some way, man, you got to check your ticket and go sit somewhere else. Today is just a reminder that you, the, the price of admission 
for the good seats. It has been paid in full. It's been paid in full and it is not in the nosebleed section. Um, it, it's not the cheap ones. You are seated with Christ in the courtside heavenly places. Like the good of the good. Let's close with this. Galatians chapter 3. It says, Yet Christ paid the full price to set us free from the curse of the law. He absorbed it completely as He became a curse in our place. Let's pray. God, thank You for uh, just showing us more of a picture of what it means to be victorious. That we do not have to walk around in a defeated place because we are more than conquerors because of you. We are your friends. We are forgiven. We are not forsaken. We're not abandoned. You call us uh, that you will have our rear guard and our left and right. You will go before us. Yeah, that we're untouchable with you. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would help us to take hold of that victory more, that we would be able to identify anything that we're sitting underneath of that we need to get up on top of and say, no, not this, not this thing anymore. If I'm, if I'm struggling with drug addiction, well, it starts today with the road to recovery and the road to leading other people out of drug addiction. That thing I'm sitting underneath of is going to be the thing I'm sitting on top of. Lord, we just pray that you would come and uh, show us how to get on that rock. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Hey, hope to see you all soon, and uh, have a good week. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.